Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Oh, have mercy. All right. Many of you are aware of the story, the famous story, the story world-renowned that they've made films about. Some of you may be familiar if you're a little bit more, like uh, I guess, old school now. You know, every year around Easter, they play the Ten Commandments featuring Charlton Heston with Moses. You familiar with that? But if you're, if you're not a Gen X like me or a Xenial like me, maybe you're a millennial and you are a... A, a Gen Z. And you're like, what, Charlton who? And you're scratching your head. So, so how many of you are aware of the Prince of Egypt, younger generations, the Prince of Egypt? All right, all right, amen, all right, right. So this story has captured the imagination and the hearts of people around the world. It's the story of the Exodus. It's the story of the people of Israel being delivered from bondage and slavery in Egypt and then being freed when Yahweh and Moses intervene into their situation and they're led into freedom as a nation. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you in to their story as if it was our story. Is that all right? And I want nobody to judge me today this is a no-judgment zone. Amen? We're a safe church. I don't want anybody to judge me today based on, my, uh, based on the graphics that I put together here, okay? You're going to get the idea. You're going to get the gist, all right? So nobody judge me today, all right? I didn't get to hire like a professional on this one. All right? <laughs> so follow me today. Uh, so, so it has been a long 400 years of our bondage in Egypt. It's been bitter bondage until God stepped in. He sent his servant Moses, the servant of Yahweh, the Lord. And, and, and then all of a sudden, in order to deliver us, he executed judgment on our oppressor through a series of 10 judgments and we witnessed all of this with our own eyes. And then on the 10th judgment, all of us who put faith in the blood of the Lamb that Moses instructed us on behalf of Yahweh and anyone that was in Egypt that heeded the call to put the blood on the doorpost. We were, we were preserved. We were, we were spared the judgment on the firstborn on the houses of Israel and Egypt. We were spared that judgment. It was a window into this new reality of freedom and deliverance and salvation for us. To commemorate this going forward from this in our story, every generation would celebrate this thing that we did called Passover because of our faith in the blood of a lamb, the blood of a sacrifice. And we praised and celebrated Yahweh because he had delivered us. 
He had freed us. And then he led us. Then he led us to the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army was coming. We thought it was over. But God then, in a virtually reconfirming our freedom and our salvation, he miraculously caused us to walk through the Red Sea until we passed over, until we crossed over to the other side. And we were virtually confirming that our freedom now, our salvation, had brought us from life of slavery and death in Egypt and has now moved us into a life of freedom. While we were on our way towards the land that Yahweh, our God, had promised us, He provided for us miraculously, continuously, graciously, bread in the wilderness on our journey. Do you remember? The bread called manna that we ate. Bread from heaven, angels' food, we were told. But on this journey, at night, in order for us to see the presence of Yahweh, gave us light in the desert. Fire, right? This pillar of fire at night. And then to guide us, right? To guide us and provide us shade in the heat of the desert, in the heat of the wilderness. A a pillar of cloud that Yahweh was residing in, the presence of Yahweh guided us through the desert. It was a pillar that, that ascended into the sky. And then, as our leader, the servant of Yahweh, Moses led us and wrote in his book, The Exodus, chronicling our journey. He says in Exodus 19.4 that Yahweh... He brought us to himself at Mount Sinai where we heard him speak the covenant, the relationship he was entering into with all of us corporately. Now, many of you that are here in a worship service, a Christian worship service, you're familiar with this story, yes? Beautiful. But I want to invite you I want you to look at this story. Look at this story again. I want you to look at the highlights of this story. Look at this story to you. Look at this story of sacrifice, right? Faith in a sacrifice. That's, that then led to our freedom and salvation and then, and then confirming this freedom and salvation by going through water. Are you smelling what I'm cooking? And then there's a third, there's a second phase to this experience we had. There was light and, and there was bread and then there was, there was a cloud ascending into the sky and, and then we entered into this beautiful, astonishingly beautiful third part of this journey that brought us and ushered us in to the presence of Yahweh. Now, now does, this, does this pattern this three-phase pattern. Does this pattern of going from bondage back to intimacy with God sound familiar to anybody in the house today? Are you seeing something very familiar to us? If you're at all familiar with the story of the Bible-wide story of Scripture, 
And this, this three-phase part to the story, this should be reminding you of something that looks like this. Is anybody seeing that in the house today? Just say amen. Are you seeing the pattern in, in, in how God is essentially retelling the story of the Exodus through the three phases of the sanctuary service? Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that we went from faith in the sacrifice that gave us our freedom and our salvation, and it was then confirmed in this, in this service of the labor, the sea, and then, and then it moved us into this other phase where there was light from the candlestick or the lampstand, and, and then there was the bread of the presence of the showbread, and then there was the altar of incense arising up into the sky like a cloud. And then you move into this third phase. The ark was there, the presence of, of Yahweh in the most holy place. Essentially, God wanted the, to keep before the children of Israel. From Sinai on, as after he brought them to himself, he wanted to keep this story of exodus, of freedom, of salvation, of deliverance, ever before them, a looking back as they are moving forward to the fulfillment of the true exodus that would be fulfilled in Jesus Messiah. Exodus would be retold day after day after day. The sanctuary. Now, for those of you watching online and for those of you that are seated here, I'm aware that when I start to talk about the sanctuary, for some of you, this conjures up some feelings and some thoughts that may not be the most pleasant. When I start to talk about the sanctuary, some of you right now are going, oh man, this, this overcomplicated thing that, that just flies over my head into irrelevance. You're not going to say amen on that one. That's okay. I'll say amen for you. Amen. And for some of you, when I talk about the sanctuary, it brings other thoughts and feelings. For some of you, you've been introduced and you've experienced the subject of the sanctuary. And for you, it conjures up feelings of fear. It conjures up feelings and emotions of legalism. And for some, even as it's been applied unbiblically, spiritual abuse. That can actually trigger some unhealthy mentally and emotional things. Are you with me? And to you, I want to say I'm sorry. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. God never intended for you to be introduced to experience the subject of the sanctuary that way. As a matter of fact, rightly understood, as we'll hopefully see today, the subject of the sanctuary is beautiful. It really is beautiful. If you'll allow me today, can we just walk through this and see how beautiful it actually is? There's a reason why the psalmist said, Thy way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. There's a reason why when they're at the foot of Mount Sinai and they're going to move past Mount Sinai that Yahweh, the Lord, God says, let them, Exodus 25, 8, make me a sanctuary. 
that I may dwell among them. I want to be with you. I love you. If you actually study what happened at Sinai, the whole ceremony before they built the tabernacle, the whole ceremony actually mirrors a Hebraic Jewish wedding. God was marrying, he was bringing the bride of his corporate body, the Israelites at the time, to himself. As we have wedding vows, what was in the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments were essentially wedding vows. So I'm hoping that if we get into this today, you'll see that this is actually intended to offer you a beautiful hope and assurance. So, you ready to come with me? Yeah? I want to invite you. I want to invite you. Let's, let, let, let's journey to, let's journey to the, the scriptures today. And if you have your Bible with you in hand, ready to go, I want to hear you say amen. Hallelujah. I want, to, I want to invite you to go with me to a book that we're going to be studying in our Sabbath school. Hebrews. He Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Go with me there. Hebrews chapter 10. Because what we want to understand today is how, how in your everyday life, listen, some of you are experiencing just the stress of everyday life. The ups and downs maybe of your spiritual journey. One day you're kind of feeling really close to God and others you feel far from Him. Or some of you are just dealing with the reality, can we say this now? We're dealing with the reality of transitioning from a life on this planet in a global pandemic to the anxiety of what a lot of people are apprehending as the possibility of World War III. So CJ, what, what, how is understanding the sanctuary going to help me at every stage or at any stage of my everyday life? That's the question we're, we're, we're grappling with. How does this practically help me? All right, so come with me. Are you there? Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. No, that's not talking about coffee. Somebody's going to get that on the way home. Hebrews, did you get it? <laughs> that's my dad joke for the day. Hebrews, Hebrews. And I want you to go with me, Hebrews chapter 10, and go with me to verse number 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 11. Are you there? Amen. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, by this will he have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, listen, once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same what? Sacrifices which can never take away sins. Yes. All right. Now, but in verse, uh, yeah, verse number 12. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for how long? For all time. When he was done, sat down at the right hand of God. Run, run with me now to verse number 14. Verse number 14. For by one offering... Oh, please hear this. You may want to highlight this, hide this in your heart even, even better. For by one offering, speaking of Jesus, he has... Listen to this word. He has perfected, perfected for all 
for all time those who are what? Sanctified. It's so good. I'm going to see. I'm going to read that verse again. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. We're going to talk about that next, okay? But, but, but what's being highlighted here is that the writer, who I do believe there's evidence sufficient enough to suggest that it's Paul writing it here, although it's not explicit in the letter. But the book of Hebrews is, is looking back at the services of the sanctuary. And all those lambs and all those sacrifices that were offered on this first compartment here of this, of this sanctuary, the first thing that you see, like, just like when we were in Egypt, there are sacrifices that are being offered. These sacrifices were being offered daily. They were being offered what? Daily. A lot of blood was spilt. As a matter of fact, if you sinned and you came, say, at 3 p.m., did you know that before you even got there, there was a morning sacrifice that was offered on your behalf before you even showed up? Now, if anybody really got what that just communicated, you'd all break out in praise, and I'd literally have to sit down and say, well, that's the service for the day. Before you showed up, a sacrifice already covered you. Paul will say, it's the goodness or it's the kindness of God that leads me to repentance. He'll say again in Romans chapter 5 that, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ did what? Died for you before you even desired him, before you even turned like the prodigal son and said, Father, please forgive me, take me back. He said, look, I've already provided a sacrifice that communicates all your sins for once, once for all time, has already been forgiven. I'm hoping you'll see that and that'll cause you to come to your senses, awaken conscience, and now go to me and receive the thing I've already provided for you. You see, because all these sacrifices that were being offered here in the first compartment, this is, called, this is called the courtyard. The actual tent of the sanctuary is the, is the next two compartments we'll talk about. But those sacrifices that took place there on the altar of burnt sacrifice, and then the priests, which were the ones that were actually performing these things on behalf of the people, would go to the laborer of the sea. And I find it interesting, maybe somebody smarter than I is here and can confirm this, but I find it interesting the parallel between the sea and the Red Sea in the Exodus. So I don't know if that's why it was called the sea. I don't know, maybe somebody smarter than me can confirm that. Let me know if you do online or, or here later on. But it's interesting that now they cleanse themselves out in light of the sacrifice. They, just, they do a, a ceremonial cleansing before they go into the tent. See, today, what is this pointing to? The altar of burnt sacrifice. Somebody tell me real quick. All those sacrifices, all that blood was spilt. What was it pointing to? The sacrifice of Christ, the cross of Calvary. What was accomplished for us, like we just read in the text? And what was the labor, the sea? What was that communicating? After someone receives the good news of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, free gift, your freedom now, how do you now confirm that experience today? You get baptized in the water. Paul will even say for the children of Israel, going through the Red Sea was their baptism. It was the baptism of Moses, he'll call it. Direct connection there. You see that? You're going from death to life in Christ. You're going from death. Your Pharaoh was Satan and sin, but he has delivered you from that. And now there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus. You have been set free. 
Listen, watch this. You're free at the beginning, not when you get to the end. And that's so good, I'm going to say it again for somebody. Your freedom began at the very beginning. And by the way, this whole thing is not so much, this can be an easy misconception, it's not so much about how we get to God. Are you hearing this? Come on, somebody talk to me, man. It's been five years. Come on, talk to me. Are you hearing this? Amen. So, but what it actually is, see, that, that Ark of the Covenant, that, that place in the most holy place, is actually the presence of God, and it's also representing the throne of God. What it's communicating, because this is just a type of the actual sanctuary in heaven, God left his throne. God left the most holy place. And he came down and offered, made sacrifice for us. And then Jesus creates now the way. He paves the path so that we can now follow. Are you hearing that? Provision. So what is this letting us know? What is this first compartment, the courtyard, the sacrifices, the labor of the sea? What is it communicating to us? Here's what it's communicating to us. It's communicating to us that the understanding of the sanctuary, understanding the sanctuary gives you the assurance of your salvation because the blood of the lamb has secured it. Now, if you believed that, you would have said, amen. I would have had to have just said, please, please stop. Please, I got to keep going. The, the blood of the lamb has not possibly made it maybe possible for you. Did they not, when they put the blood of the lamb, was the firstborn not spared death? When they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, did they not leave bondage? Yes, they did. They were free. Totally. They're not in Egypt. They've left Egypt. But Egypt was still inside of them. In their hearts. But they were freed. They were set free. Because of the blood of the lamb their faith in the work of God that he would deliver. To help us understand this a little bit, I want to give you a, um, a scenario, a story, and I want to invite you to take this journey with me. Now, let's just say, and I, oh man, I see the Holy Spirit already working here. We're in, Af- we're, we're in Ukraine. Prior to things getting to where they are now, as we are there, we get a phone call from our father in the United States. We haven't seen our father in a long time. We've been maintaining communication with dad through, through, through FaceTime, right? Virtually. But we miss him dearly. But our situation is of such that we, we don't have the funds to go and see him very often. It's been years, maybe, maybe even decades, but we love him dearly. Dad gives us a call and he says to us, I see the situation is getting getting worse over there. This doesn't look good. And he says, I'm paying for your ticket to come and stay with me until everything gets better. How do you feel? How do you feel? Somebody talk to me. How do you feel? You feel what? 
Yeah, so, okay, so Agnes says she feels saved, saved from a terrible situation, saved from potential dangers. Yeah. Now, you haven't gotten on the plane yet, have you? He, he promised you. Oh, good God. He gave you a word of something he was about to do, yes? And then he actually did it. He bought it and probably called you and said, oh, the ticket has been purchased, you're leaving on this day. Are you hearing me? You get the confirmation in this digital age, he may have sent you the itinerary. So you have the evidence that this thing has been accomplished. Are you hearing this? Okay, and so it has been secured. Now, did you contribute anything to it? Did you pay for it? No, all you had to do was do what? To say yes, thank you, Woo. thank you, thank you, Dad. Wow. Are you questioning whether or not that thing is valid? No, you've seen the receipt. It's done. It's paid for. Yeah. Now, though you're still in your situation, you haven't yet gotten on the plane. In that moment, how are you feeling? In that moment, you got this free ticket. How are you feeling? You're feeling good, right? Are you feeling hopeful? Is there a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel? Are you anticipating some good things? And maybe you also have some compassion for those that may not have what you have. Oh, somebody hear that, please. This is what was supposed to happen psychologically, emotionally, spiritually for you. If you are in the children, if you are one of the children of Israel and you had sinned, and you went and brought your sacrifice, which, by the way, the sacrifice or the lamb, or there were several. By the way, if you read the book of Leviticus or anywhere in the Bible, and you come across any type of the, any of the sacrifices, Leviticus is a good place to look. By the way, the, 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 book of Levit, the, the book of Leviticus, I can't even talk today. The book of Leviticus becomes a wonderful book when you see it through the lens that I'm going to share with you today. You don't fall asleep and snooze. You go, oh, wow. Because you see all these different types of sacrifice, and it's detailing all these different types of sacrifices. But guess what? All it's doing is giving you multiple windows into the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. Do, you. do you understand that? When you hear of the different types of the, the purifications, that this grain offering and this type of the rams and the goats and, and without blemish and all, all of it is telling you what Jesus is going to accomplish for you. You should shout every time you see a sacrifice there in the book. Because it's telling you, this is what I did for you. This is what I did for you. This is what I did for you. The blood of the lamb has secured it. What did Jesus say on the cross when he died? He said, it is partially done. I'm just, I kind of want to give you just a, a little down payment. Is that what that is? No, it's finished. It's done. He says, consider it done. Are we in heaven? When you got the ticket, were you automatically in the United States with your dad? No, but you had the assurance of a paid for ticket. You know where this story's ending. You have confidence whatever else is coming, don't you? You have, here's our word today, you have assurance. As you read scripture and you see all those sacrifices, please understand that when you as an Israelite came and brought your sacrifice, it was often, by the way, a little lamb, it was often a little pet of yours. 
you know, it, it, it crushed you to see that being offered as a sacrifice, but you also felt grateful that all the promises of Yahweh made to you. If you were on this journey to the promised land, all, the, all that we're going to inherit in the promised land is, a, is secure. I'm still in right relationship, in covenant relationship with Yahweh. There's no judgment, no condemnation coming towards me. This was a daily thing, a daily process, a daily ceremony done at the sanctuary. So whatever else is coming in the sanctuary, you need to understand, the blood of the Lamb has secured something for you. There's no condemnation to you. That when Jesus now comes and fulfills all of this at the cross, we who actually believe in what all of this was pointing forward to should walk away. Every day you go and you go to the foot of the cross and you pray and you confess whatever you've done as if you were bringing your lamb and, and, and bringing it to the priest. You should walk away going, I've confessed, I've turned in my heart towards the grace of God, towards following Jesus, and I am okay with God. I'm, I'm accept As a matter of fact, the only reason I was able to come is because a sacrifice has already been provided. Biblically, this is what's called justification by faith. Or righteousness by faith. You have been declared right with God. What did the text say in Hebrews? You've been declared, you have been through the sacrifice of Christ. You're now viewed as perfect. Now. Now, did you go this morning to the foot of the cross, confess whatever you did, and said, God, I give this over to you. I identify this as sin, but this, is, this doesn't define me. No, Jesus defines me. What he did defined me. And you got up out of your prayer time with full confidence that you're in right relationship with God, not because of what you've done, because this is, has secured everything else for you. Full confidence. You haven't arrived yet, but you have the ticket. You're going. Justification by faith. See, what Jesus did, this is what, what I just described to you is what it means for us personally, and I also described to you what this accomplished historically. Jesus actually came, left heaven, came to the earth, went to the cross. Everything that happened before Jesus was rushing forward to what he did here. Everything in the Old Testament flowing forward to him fulfilling all of this. But now watch this. We leave this courtyard now and we move into the holy place. The holy place. And there's this lamp stand and the seven branch candlestick representing the Holy Spirit and his work in your life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he turns to you and he says to you, you are the light of the world. Well, how is that true? Well, when you receive Jesus, when you've done the first two things here, right? You've received the sacrifice, you've gotten baptized to confirm his death, burial, and resurrection. You now enter into life. The holy place represents your life with Jesus. And so you have the light of Jesus, the light of his character of love, now abiding, resting in you through the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The bread that was provided for the people of Israel Jesus says, I am the, John 6, I am the bread of, of life. But then he likens himself, the bread of life, he likens the bread to also the word of God. What does that mean for us practically? When you come to the scripture, guess what your central focus needs to be? 
John, John 5, 39. He says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of? Of me. But then he goes on in verse 40 to say, but you will not come to me that I will give you life. What's the implication? When you come to scripture by faith in Jesus, looking for Jesus, seeing how it all flows to Jesus, guess what you receive? And guess what you continue to abide in? Eternal life by faith in Christ. You receive that experience daily. What did Jesus say in the prayer that he gave us as a model prayer? Matthew 6, 9, he says, give us this day our daily bread, not just temporal physical bread, spiritual bread, which he is. This is what this is communicating. It's all Jesus. So the word of God focused on Jesus, light of the Holy Spirit. What's the altar of incense? The altar of incense is, it says in Revelation, that it's the prayers of the saints ascending upward to God. The, the incense or the frankincense that was often used as they were praying and as they were, the, 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 the priests were serving in the holy place was representative of the righteousness of Christ that covers you and makes you acceptable, your prayers even acceptable to God. But can I tell you something else? Here's the most exciting part. You ready? Go with me really, really quick. Really, really quick. Go over to Exodus chapter 30. Somebody go back to Exodus. Real quick, chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. And if you see this, this should give somebody some, I mean, serious hope today. Exodus chapter 30. I'm going to go Really, really quickly, look at verse number one. Talking about the altar of incense, okay? Watch this. God speaking to Moses. Listen to what it says. Moreover, you shall make an altar as a place of burning incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. Drop down to verse number eight. Verse number eight, here's what it says. When Aaron trims the lamps at twilight or at evening, he shall burn incense. There shall be, listen, perpetual incense perpetual incense before the Lord that's Yahweh throughout your generations verse number go down with me now to verse number let me see here what did I put Pastor CJ is human amen <laughs> verse, verse number 10 verse number 10 thank you Aaron shall make atonement on... Listen, this is the part I want you to get. Verse number 10. Aaron shall make atonement on its what? On its horns once a year and shall make atonement on it with the blood of the what? Sin offering of atonement once a year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. What did we just discover just now? There was a daily service where people brought their sacrifices out there to the courtyard. But watch this. Every year, what was done daily by the priest on your behalf, which you benefited from in terms of your relationship with God, was then kind of ratified, kind of confirmed in, 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 its, in, a, in the most meaningful way. Once a year on the Day of Atonement. We should know this language here in the Adventist Church. Amen? Okay, that, that's the one year that the, that the high priest went into the most holy place, but something else happened before that. They brought the blood of the sacrifice. Please don't miss this. They brought the blood of the sacrifice and put it on the horns of the altar. Remember I told you that the holy place represents your life with Jesus. Are you perfect on day one? 
You're like a baby that's stumbling and learning to walk. You can look at your life this week and you know that you're, you haven't arrived yet. I hope you're convinced of that by now. But here's what this tells you. you. When you understand the sanctuary, you have the assurance of your salvation because the blood of the Lamb covers you as you grow. Did you hear that? The blood wasn't just spilt in the courtyard and it was just the courtyard. The blood of the sacrifice was brought into the holy place. If you really hear what I'm saying to you, you should be so full of hope. As you go through life, you need that blood, don't you? Have you see, some, some of us, we look at this part, and this second part here is sanctification, right? Growing in grace. Growing in your relationship with Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus. Becoming holy. But we can't do that on our own, can we? I hope you're convinced that you know you can't do that on your own. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Because as you're spending your time every day reading your Bible, right? Focused on Jesus, the bread. As you're there praying to God every day, you're, you need a relationship where you both hear him, that's the word, and you speak to him, that's a relationship, so you're talking to him, and then he's with you, right? Through the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So as you have that relationship, based on those three essential things, every single day, guess what's covering you as you grow? The blood. If you stumbled on Tuesday, that didn't forfeit the relationship. Did you hear that? If you have an addiction, if you have an issue, if you have dysfunction in your life that you inherited or that you cultivated, blood was put on the horns of the altar. It was brought into the holy place for, your, for atonement of your sins. Guilt and shame lifted in the daily experience. Remember, the blood is what God is saying. The blood is what makes you right with him. Whatever you do, the relationship, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, the doing works of ministry and serving and all this stuff, even as you're tripping and stumbling along the way, blood is still covering you. Hallelujah. The whole journey. Somebody hear that? The righteousness of Christ. The blood represents the life of the, of the creature or the animal or the, or the person, right? It represents life. His life for yours. The whole time, God's looking at your life and he just sees red. He's like, you did what? Well, thank you for confessing, but I'm looking at the books. I just see red. I see Jesus. Someone's hearing this right now and they're triggered. They're going, oh my goodness. Here goes these, these, I don't know, these new pastors just want to keep talking about grace. And they, they just want to talk about, you know, like this kind of cheap grace where you just go, well, just, just go to God and you've got the blood covering you. So, so then, you know, you just, just do as you please and just sin. What is this place called? The second part, the second compartment is called the what place? What leads us, what, what leads you to holiness? The blood. The blood. Grace moves you into holiness. Into holiness. It leads you to want to serve Jesus. It leads you to want to, you're grateful for the blood. But, 
What if you continue, you've, you've received Jesus? What if you decide not to confess? Wait a minute, CJ, you said that the, the sacrifice was once for all time. Before I even came and confessed, it was provided, yes. But what happens if you decide to continue in sin without confessing, without acknowledging that I'm stumbling, that I need your grace? What happens to you then? Can people just come into the church and you tell them about the grace of God and, and so they just go about life and not confess, not repent, not identify areas that they need to grow? No, see, what happens is that if you continue in sin, you know what happens? It's not arbitrary. You know what happens? Your heart hardens against the grace of God. You feel no sense of the need of the blood. And though you once received it, not because God did something to keep you out of heaven, no. Over time, the devil whispers in your ear, now you've done that thing way too much. You really going to go to church? Really? You gonna try and keep sad? You gonna try to be holy today? I know what you did just yesterday. I know what crept into your mind when you came into the sanctuary. And over time, you can believe the lie that the blood does not prevail, that the blood does not do what it says it does. And you say, "Well, I, I'm not gonna read the Bible. I'm not gonna pray daily for the reception of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna talk to God. I'm not good enough." And God's like, "Duh! I know you're not good enough. That's why the blood covers you, because Christ is good enough." And if you keep coming to him, make it just a part of your relationship. Confess, own it, and then say, God, I turn to your grace. Thank you for the blood. I, my identity is in Christ. I am not that thing. I am in Christ. That get, that's why the blood <laughs> leads you to repentance. And you can grow as you are covered by his grace. Can somebody say amen? But as we close, watch this. You now move into the presence of God, the ark had the mercy seat. Oh, Jesus. One verse I'm going to read and we're going to close. And this is Leviticus 16.4. And it's somebody, especially if you've been raised hearing about the, especially, you know, in, in light of uh, very close to us, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 14, right? Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. We understand prophetically that pointed forward to the time that Jesus in 1844 would move into his high priestly ministry role of the most holy place. Amen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we can schedule the Bible study. But Jesus was doing a work through history from the cross, and he, yes, Pentecost released the Spirit, but he was doing a work on our behalf that was symbolized by this service. But watch this. Don't miss Leviticus 16.4. Highlight it. Please don't forget it. And if you're teaching the sanctuary, you please pull this verse out. Leviticus 16.4, and here's the Word of God says, he shall put, oh my, he shall put on the holy what? Oh man, you guys fell asleep on me. All right, let's try it again. Here we go. And I said, I said four, but I mean 14. Skip down to verse 14, sorry. Verse 14, listen, the word of God to Moses, listen. Moreover, verse 14, moreover, he shall take some of the what? Don't miss it. He shall take some of the what? The blood, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his fingers on the what? Where's the mercy seat? Where is it? In the most holy place, okay? And on the east side, also in front of the mercy seat. This is literally right where the Shekinah glory of God is manifesting. Lord have mercy. Mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times. How many times? 
seven times, which is communicating a complete, a perfect atonement. Here's what that's letting you know. The blood of Jesus. Oh, hear me. When you experience being brought into the presence of God, we now have access, the Bible says. Come boldly, the Bible says, into his throne of grace. How can the Bible tell you that? Or at the end of time, as we're looking at this most holy place experience, and Jesus will come for his people. He's the Holy Spirit's going to bring us to a place of spiritual maturity, wherever that is, whatever that looks like, okay? God says, I will complete the work that I have begun in you. Are you hearing me? So, So watch this. When you get to this part of the experience, watch this. You have the assurance of your salvation. Why? Because the blood of the Lamb, what? Is what ultimately, what? Gives you access to the presence of God. Do you know what that's telling you? When, when, when the mercy seat was above the, what, ten ka commandments. It was saying, who gets mercy? Those that broke covenant. Those that have not been completely faithful to Yahweh. In other words, guys, the entire journey until you get to the second coming and you're now ushered into the presence of God, what's covering you? The blood. That's what grants you access. You see, the entire time that we we're getting ready for our flight to go to Ukraine, to leave Ukraine and go to the United States. Guess what we were doing? We may have felt some anxiety along the way, right? We saw what's going on around us in the world, and we got nervous for other people, and we, what's going to happen to my stuff? But you knew the whole time you had what? You had a ticket. And maybe you packed your clothes, and you did some things. Are you hearing me? The whole time, you may be calling your dad. You may be talking about what you're going to do when you see him. I can't wait to get there. You're telling your friends, oh, I can't wait. It's almost as if you're already there in your mind because you have a ticket. You're rushing down the street to get to the airport, right? Why are you doing that? You're floor to the metal. Why are you doing that? Because you know you have a ticket. The moment you get into the airport, you're rushing because you don't want to be late. You're rushing to the counter, and they say, oh, thank you. Yep, good. Get on the plane. Why? Because you have a ticket. The whole journey, you're doing stuff, but the whole time you don't have any anxiety about the one thing you know is sure. I have a ticket. Do you see how... Faith in the blood of the Lamb moves you to action. See, faith is demonstrated because you have a relationship with the one who gave you a ticket. And one day, like that flight, you're going to be brought to the Father. You're going to get there. But you're not going to get there going, oh man, I didn't know this whole time if I was ever going to see you face to face again. No, the whole journey, if you're following the sanctuary, the whole journey, you're saying, I couldn't wait to be here because I knew it was the blood that gave me access. People of God, in the last days of this earth's history, you should not be approaching the second coming with anxiety or fear. You should not be approaching last day events triggered with all kinds of worry about what's going to happen. The Father sent His Son the Bible even says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. At every stage of your spiritual growth, wherever you are, every stage of your life, the blood is covering you. That's what I'm trying to get across to you today. It doesn't matter if you're at the beginning of the early stages when you first received the sacrifice of Christ and you got baptized. That's some of you here, especially some of you young people. Or you're 50 
years down the line and you still go, man, I'm still stumbling and struggling with this. The blood of the lamb still covers you. Confess that thing. Get the help you need. But understand the blood still prevails. And at the second coming, when you hear, and you hear the trumpet sound, you should not be going, oh my goodness, I don't know if my dad's ticket is going to act. No, the blood was on the mercy seat. It still covers you. Nobody gets in without a ticket. Nobody gets in because of their own works. Nobody gets in because they felt they were strong enough and they made it through the time of trouble because they did. Then no one, none of us, no matter how, Mother Teresa, none of us are going to look at ourselves when we get there and go, man, you know, Agnes, the way I preached that sermon on Sabbath, woo, the way I played that organ, Lord have mercy, God has to let me in. None of us are going to do that. We're going to say thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood, because the blood is what gives you assurance for the journey. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.